I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can also catch me live on my St. Louis show Sunday evening, 7 to 9 in St. Louis at 97.1 FM Talk. I also do videos five days a week. I call them Headlines with Heidi. I put them on Vimeo at the Heidi Harris Show channel. I also post all of them at HeidiHarris.com. So if you forget everything I just said, it's all up at HeidiHarris.com. I've been following a woman for the last couple of years by the name of Twyla Brace. She's a registered nurse. She's the president of the Citizens Council on Health Freedom. And she's a fascinating woman who's been posting some really great stuff on Twitter about the COVID situation. She's also written a book and written many publications about patient privacy and the idea that it's not a good idea to have one particular number that every patient would be assigned that had all your medical data on it. Why would that not be a good idea? Well, Twyla Brace is here to explain. Twyla, welcome to the Heidi Harris Show. I'm so glad to have you. Thanks for taking the time. Well, I'm very glad to be here. Thank you so much. So over the last couple of years, as a healthcare professional who's been warning about all kinds of things prior to COVID, obviously, what surprised you the most about what happened? Well, I would never have expected public health to be used as the reason to lock down everyone. Um, you know, I probably, like everyone else, thought this was going to be a small thing, um, but it, it did concern me when, when it was a lockdown, when we had to all go home, and then when it just extended and extended. And, but I think, you know, the, the thing is that so many lies have been told by public health officials you know, we have always said that public health officials should use persuasion and not coercion. But what we have seen over the last two years is coercion, no attempt to persuade. And then, of course, we have learned how many lies have been told, how it's not really the science. And, you know, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky, when she was talking to colleagues at her alma mater, um, she actually said that people <laughs> people took the science because they said that they were doing science and people took that as though it were black and white. And she said, well, science is really right. gray and it can take a long time. And so they, they knew this wasn't science. They were just being, you know, they're just using their power to impose uh, mandates upon us all. Mandates, you know, the vaccine, the mask. And the masks don't work. They've never worked. Right. People know they don't work for, for viruses. And so, you know, we've just had lie after lie uh, and power grab after power grab from our government, and they do not want to let go. I think that's what we're seeing now. They still don't want to let go. No, they don't. And I still see people walking around with masks on, which really, I've got to tell you, Twyla, it breaks my heart to see people who bought into the lie and continue to want to be, to me, the mask is like a symbol of bondage. Right. It's a, it's a symbol of being controlled. It's a symbol of being controlled. Right. And for those who want to control people, it is a symbol of victory because yes. they have succeeded. Exactly, which is why it's so interesting, too. Because remember, and, and, you know, obviously you've tweeted about this and written about this, but they told people... If you just get this vaccine, you can take the masks off. Now, we all knew that was ridiculous, but people who got the vaccine still were told to put their mask back on a week later because of the symbolism of it. That's the fact. Right, and the vaccine, you know, we don't, I call it an injection. Um, the vaccine, they changed the definition of vaccine when they realized that their actual definition said that it 
caused immunity, and immunity means that it prevents the illness. And when they realized their own definition was being used against them, they modified their definition to fit how they're treating it, which is just... (laughs) It's just another thing where it shows that you can't trust these people because they manipulate to fit their own agenda. It's either a vaccine or it isn't, and it isn't, because for a long time a vaccine had to actually prevent the disease. That's one of the problems with calling the flu shot a flu vaccine, because for most people it never prevents flu. But it did get people into that thinking that it was a vaccine, even though it didn't prevent the flu, and that's really the wrong thinking. A vaccine is supposed to prevent whatever it is that you're being vaccinated against. It's to give you immunity and prevent the illness, not just to make the symptoms better. What scares me the most is these children who've been conditioned to wear masks. I mean, literally conditioned psychologically, and parents will say, oh, they don't really mind it. That's terrifying. Yes, and it's just wrong. You know, we have lived for how many years without wearing masks, and yet now the government is um, saying um, that, you know, the mask can be very useful for this, it can be useful for that. The next time we have a flu, we can have people wear masks. You know, they are trying to normalize mask wearing just like the Chinese wear them all the time. But we, we cannot accept that. And the children have been harmed, but perhaps the children who really, I think they know what it's like to breathe free. I I think a lot of children don't like that mask on. It bugs them, it bothers them, right? And and they want to breathe free. And so maybe the children will be the generation that makes sure it never happens again because they won't let it happen when they get old enough right? because they realize what it did to them. And I've also heard people say, and I don't know if this would happen, people have said, oh, well, you know, they're going to uh, possibly make you put masks back on under the guise of saving the planet. We don't know how far that will go, but when I see people still wearing a mask who don't have to, riding their bike, walking their dog around nobody and still wearing a mask, uh, that doesn't (laughs) pretend well for the future. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at some point, they're going to take them off as as, um, as long as the majority of people take them off because at some point they're going to reality is going to strike them i mean that's one of the ways that you help people to go back to reality is you put it reality in their face and so uh there are definitely lawsuits so there's um 10 pilots that have now sued the government against the um you know imposing the mask at the airport and on the plane and um, there's the attorney general and the legislator in Texas that have also sued the government against the mask in the airport and on the plane. And that is the, that's the one that has stayed. And they can't, we can't allow that one to stay. Right. So those, those, um, those lawsuits have to be successful. Yeah, Otherwise, I mean, we're going to have to have an outright revolt yeah. with, you know, whatever that means. You know, jail time, fines, whatever that is, until we can get to the point where we have our freedom back. That's true. And how many fights, we're speaking with Twyla Brace, president of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom, how many fights, how many disruptions, how many planes have had to land early because somebody's arguing with somebody about a mask or they want you to put a, you know, the mask on between sips, which is the most obnoxious, ridiculous, I mean, it goes without even addressing, right? But how many disruptions of the flight have occurred as a result of mandatory mask wearing? We've seen videos, we see them every week. Yes, but you know what you said about the um, mask on off with food and, and drink. And some planes don't don't say 
that. So some planes are just like, you know, wait until the, the flight attendant <laughs> passes before you um, take off the mask. Well, you know, this if there are exceptions, this is what I like to say, if there are exceptions, they're not serious. Right. So it can't be serious if an entire plane spends 10 to 20 minutes eating and drinking <laughs> without masks. You know, it, they can't actually be serious about this because otherwise we couldn't take them off and we could never take them off. Right. And the ridiculousness, never. you never see a medical professional as a medical professional as you are. You never see a medical professional, you know, go down to the cafeteria with your mask on. My mom a few years ago was in the hospital and for the first time in her life and we had to glove up, mask up, the whole gown up, the whole thing, right? Because she had MRSA for a couple of days. And every time you go in, you put a new mask on, new gloves, new gown. Every time you leave the room, you throw it all in the trash can. You don't go down to the cafeteria, you know, have your mask around your chin, have your pizza, you know, use those same gloves for everything and then go back in the room. It's just not the way it works and i'm just stunned at how easily people bought into this i guess that's the thing that i will not get over yeah i think a lot of people won't get over it and you've probably heard about the mass formation psychosis yes uh and i think that's to me that's one of the things that makes this all make sense all the separation that people feel amongst each other um i can't remember what the other four conditions are but it made it ripe it made it ripe for this kind of thing to work. Yep. And so uh, for those of your listeners who have never heard of mass formation psychosis, it would be really good for them to just look it up. Yeah, I thought Robert Malone made that up, Twyla. <laughs> no. Just I'm teasing. Well, I'm teasing. And it, actually came, it actually came from a professor in Belgium who has taught it for four years, talking about what happened in Germany right. during World War II. I know, but I was and, just laughing. And it took him a while to, to realize that that's what he was seeing now across the globe. Mm-hmm. It's pretty sad. We're speaking with Twyla Brace, RN. She is the president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Now, talk to me about the national patient ID. You know, when I was a kid, I'm old enough to have a Social Security card on it that says at the very bottom, are you ready? Not to be used for ID. <laughs> <laughs> That's out the window now. Uh, talk to me about patient ID and how horrifying that would be going forward. A lot of people say, oh, it would be so much easier. I get tired of doing this paperwork every time I go to a new doctor. It'd just be easier just to hand you know, somebody a little flash drive or whatever, and it's all on a big database. Talk about the dangers of that. So I like to say he who holds the data makes the rules. Anyone in a, uh, uh, in a dictatorship one of the biggest things that they do to control their people is to conduct surveillance. And so this idea that we would have what's called a unique patient identifier, that's the federal word for it, but it's really a national patient ID issued by the federal government under which all our medical records must be. And we would not be able to access care without that number. And so there would be there would be no freedom from surveillance. Um, everything would be linked together. All the details in your medical record, everything you told your doctor, all the way back to however far they could get it linked. Um, all of your diagnoses, everything would be available in a centralized database accessible by the government, accessible by all the health plans, accessible by researchers, whoever um, and I know your, your people are going to hear this. Your listeners are going to hear this, and they're going to go, but HIPAA protects me. No, it does not. HIPAA is actually not a privacy rule. 
in the industry is considered a permissive data sharing rule. Um, all it does is protect the security of your data. In other words, trying to make sure that hackers don't get it, but it allows it to be used and shared hither and yon uh, with all sorts of people without your consent. So it could be placed, all your data could be placed on a central database and then made accessible to all of these people to profile you, to use you for research, to um, make decisions about your life and how that will impact what kind of care that you can get. You'll never get a fresh opinion. You'll never be able to find someone who could take care of you unless a black market of medicine is started. Wow. Which certainly could happen <laughs> if such a thing happened. Absolutely. But um, this national patient ID was Hillary Clinton's idea. And um, it's the only thing, the only thing in HIPAA that has not been implemented. And it has not been implemented because Congressman Ron Paul stopped the funding of it in every appropriation bill until he resigned from Congress. And then his son, Senator Rand Paul, has stopped it ever since. Uh, we have been working with Senator Rand Paul's office. We have sent letters to the Appropriations Committee every time it came up, um, asking them to maintain the ban on the funding and the establishment of this number. And so we have successfully stopped it, including this year. And this year, it was doubtful because it's all Democrats mm. in, in Congress, in the Senate and in the House. And in October, they took the ban against the number. They took it out of the appropriations bill. And so they were planning to fund it. And only about two or three days before it passed um, on, on um, March 11th, uh, only about two or three days before that were they did they put it back in. And we had sent a letter with 25 other organizations signed on to the letter asking them to put it back in. Rand, pa Rand Paul's office was asking them to put it back in. And so we're successful for another year, and then maybe there will be Republicans in charge next year um, to help make sure that we never get this number. Wow, because you know, when you think about that, we're speaking with Twyla Bray, she's a registered nurse, she's a president and co-founder of Citizens Council for Health Freedom. You know, when you think about some of the things, the aspects of this, for example, let's say you're a guy and you have to go in for physical therapy for your knee. Now that person who's working on your knee is going to find out you have ED, which is not pertinent if they're working on your knee, but now they're going to find that out. What if somebody had a you know, venereal disease in college or had an abortion in college or something and it's many years before and somebody may have access to records like that, you know, that will follow you forever. Right. You'll never, everyone, that, I mean, that's happening today, actually, that like your physical therapist is getting your entire medical record. I've had physical therapists say there's all sorts of things I don't need to know about my patient that I see now that I never used to see. Because of these electronic health records, they're, therefore, you know, for that reason and for others, I wrote that book, Big Brother in the Exam Room. Um, and, and that's the other thing is that patients think that it's still like Dr. Marcus Welby out there. But the fact of the matter is 70% of the physicians are now employed by a corporation. And that's because of laws like the Affordable Care Act, uh, some other provisions of Medicare, that have made it very difficult to have independent um, physicians, for you to have an independent physician that cares only about you and isn't controlled by a corporation. So the more data that they see, 
the more reasons they have not to give you care. You know, if they had your genetics, for instance, in there, that would be even more reasons not to give you care into the future because they could say, well, this is, they're going to have this in the future. So either we're going to give them this to try and make sure they don't have it or, give them, or we're not going to give them this because they're going to get it. You know, he who holds the data makes the rules. We really want the patient to control their medical records under the stewardship of a physician who really cares about the patient. We do not want a government number that all of our medical records are under. And we actually, as patients, need to be very concerned about what's happening today. We have to bring freedom back to the exam room for the patients to actually feel safe in the hospital or in the exam room. That makes sense. We're speaking All you have to do is look at what happened with COVID. Right. right? All of these doctors in the hospital following uh, corporate treatment protocols, and those protocols said give oxygen, give remdesivir, even though it'll cause organ failure in a significant number of patients, and give mechanical ventilation. And these, these were the only things. No early treatment, no ivermectin, nothing that actually worked and would help a, a person survive COVID. Those who survived COVID that got those treatments, you know, you can be amazed that that is true. Right. If you're in the Vegas area, you know about security and safety, right? It's becoming more and more of an issue. That's why I have BOSS security screens on my house, B-O-S-S, BOSS security screens. They look like and they function as normal solar screens, but they're guaranteed to prevent break-ins and forced intrusions because of the way they're designed. Someone could take a hammer, they're not getting in, they can throw a chair through your slider window, it'll bounce right off your security screens. These are incredible. They come in 300 colors. They're HOA approved. They're made in America. They're guaranteed for life. And the nicest people in the world are the ones who will come and talk to you about them. And by the way, they're happy to give you a free estimate, no pressure at all. Go to bosssecuritiescreens.com. That's B-O-S-S, bosssecuritiescreens.com. You owe yourself just at least check it out. You're going to love them when you see them. Bosssecuritiescreens.com. Back to my conversation with Twyla Brace. Twyla, you know that you talked about how 70% of the doctors work for some kind of large corporation. And last year when I went to see my nurse practitioner, because I don't get a real doctor anymore with my insurance, she looked at my chart and she said, oh, when did you have COVID? Oh, you need to get a shot. Your immunity's gone. I went, mm-hmm, yeah. And we just moved on. But a lot of these people are pushing these shots and they know they don't work. It's unbelievable. Yes, and because they are scored based on their compliance and their success in getting you to comply so there's a lot of pressure and so they just look at the they just look at the record and they see the things that are missing the the protocols that they're supposed to get in and get done and it's not looking at you as a patient at all you're like a cog in the system they're like a cog in the system because they could get fired if they don't follow those protocols but this is a terrible way to do medicine it's not actually doing medicine right it's, it's doing something, but it's not actually doing medicine because it's not looking at you as an individual patient and meeting your needs. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Is there a way that a person, a private person, could go online somehow now based on their Social Security card or whatever number or whatever and get access to all the records that are on file for you? Is there a place for that already that where they're all being accumulated? Well, there is the e-health experience. Change, okay. which is the government's centralized, it's not really a centralized database, it's called a, it's called a distributive database, which means that all the records stay where they are, so whatever doctor's office, whatever lab, whatever your, you know, place you've gone, but 
you can, wherever you are, as a doctor, as a lab, uh, as a pharmacist, you can go into the system and you can put somebody's name in, their social security number, whatever else they're going to have there, right? And it will pull all the records from wherever you have been. Now, the last time I heard about this, I mean, I looked at this, there was about 40% of the possible practitioners, I think, uh, in in this exchange, which means that all the records are not in this exchange. So this is where they want them. Of course. And if there's a national patient ID, this is where they're going to put them. So they'll be accessible to all of these, nowhere, no matter where you are. You'll be able to find them. Um, so we're not there yet, and we as an organization are trying to make sure we never get there. We're also trying to um, get rid of HIPAA because HIPAA is what gives them the power to have all this access to all this data, put all these data um, online, and uh, it's online in a, in a special, you know, it is the Internet, but it's not like anybody can tap into it. Right. Um, but it is hackable, right? So the Chinese could easily, or the, you know, the Russians could probably easily figure it out. And once everybody's in there, it will be a target for our enemies. No question. So it is actually a national security issue that we should not have this kind of system, we should not have this kind of number. To protect us as a country and us as individuals, we should stop this to make sure it doesn't happen. That's really important. We're speaking with Twyla Brace. She's an RN. She's a president of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Final question. My husband likes to work that grocery store app like a boss, all right? And he'll, you know, put on, you know, you don't just get to go in and save money. You have to click on the app and put the food that you're buying on the app. Now, how long will it be, or is it already happening, that grocery stores are going to give this information to medical, whoever the medical gods are, and insurance companies and all these people, and start denying you things because you eat too many things that end in OS, you know, Doritos, Fritos, Cheetos. Uh, How's that going to work? I mean, I'm sure there's a danger in that, right? Yes, well, it was several years ago, I can't even remember how many years ago, where I think that um, HHS, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, was, I think, um, with some kind of contract with, I don't know if it was some grocery store or several grocery stores, with their loyalty program, Mm -hmm. you know, looking at uh, the consumption. So, you know, these are the sorts of things where we should not let our government even do this. You know, it's amazing to me what Congress will fund or what they'll fund. And then, of course, HHS comes up with, um, you know, language or or whatever that says it meets that. Even though they didn't specifically say that's what they were going to do. So, you know, I feel like there's a lot of things having to do with privacy. The public is not really aware of exactly how much data the government is already gathering from a variety of sources. And every time you use one of those apps, one of those loyalty programs, I don't care where it is, there, there is data gathering happening because data is the most valuable part of you. Yep, that's right. So it's like in the healthcare system. I tell this to people. So United Health Group is the largest um, managed care organization, the largest health plan in not only the United States but in the world. And they have a certain division called Optum Insights. And all it does is data, health data, patient data, health data, medical data. That's all it does. And in 2017, its revenue was $8.1 billion. Wow. It doesn't take care of a single patient. So in other words, your data is more 
valuable to the to those corporations than you are, which is why they're all about the data. They're all about having the the doctors, you know, put all this data into electronic health record. Those questionnaires that you get at the exam, you should not fill those out. I never fill those out. It's all data gathering because you're the source of data. You're in a vulnerable position, and they're using this vulnerable time to get you to give yourself away. Yeah, well, and that's, this is what's really valuable to them. That's a scary thing. You know, they say about Facebook and Twitter, they say that if it, you know it's free because you're the product. Right. <laughs> that's what it comes down to, right? Wow, crazy. All right, so people can follow you at Twyla. It's Brace, B-R-A-S-E, on Twitter, at Twyla Brace, and great information out there, and they can check out the Citizens Council for Health Freedom at cchfreedom.org. Also, your books, I would imagine, um, Big Brother in the Exam Room, The Dangerous Truth About Electronic Health Records, is available probably on Amazon, right? It's, it will be available on okay. Amazon. They can sign up for it. The third printing I've just edited made the final edits on the third printing okay. so it's going to go to press so they can go to bigbrotherintheexamroom.com okay. and sign up to get on the waiting list which we do have <laughs> well i'm sure you do because people you know, even people who weren't aware of any of this a couple of years ago thinking about this at all went oh wait a minute hold on a second and uh, with the with the vaccine cards and all the craziness that's gone on the last two years, people should be paying attention more now than ever thank you so much for being here twyla brace i've been following you for years and i'm thrilled to talk to you and I'm thrilled that, that what you're doing is so important because it is a national, it's not just a, a personal issue, it's a national security issue, as you mentioned, and that is really what we need to keep our minds focused on. Well, thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you. I'm Heidi Harris. Don't forget, you can find these podcasts anywhere you get podcasts. You can find everything at HeidiHarris.com. That's H-E-I-D-I. You know how to spell Heidi, right? HeidiHarris.com. And don't miss me on my Sunday night live show in St. Louis. Every Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m. St. Louis time. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell.